Another thank offering, and when you're seated, would you stretch your hands towards the preacher and say this, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. dial him in. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, direct our steps for this service this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Your faith should be the substratum of what brought you to church this morning. Your faith should be the substratum, the basement, the foundation, thing we stand on. Your faith should be what brought all of us to church here this morning. The substratum of who we are is centralized upon our faith. What gives us distinction from all civic and social organizations across this nation is our faith. It's our focus upon the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the implications of that resurrection upon our lives. And that's what gives us the hope that no matter what has buried us under, we shall rise undaunted and victorious through our Savior Jesus Christ. And somebody said, yeah, yeah, hallelujah. Our faith is what it's all about. You can call me Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Quaker, yada, 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 yada. We don't care about anything along that line here as long as you know that I am a believer. I am a believer. I am a blood-washed, born-again believer. I am saved from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet and not by merit of anything that I have done but through the grace of God and through the efficacious blood of the Lamb of God. Amen. As long as you know I'm a believer. I have been delivered from the law of sin and death. I have been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and chaos into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And I am who I am by the grace of the living God. Amen. I'm going to go to John 11 now. Even now, resurrection faith. God dropped two scriptures out of that in my heart. And I'm not going to cover all of John 11. The entire chapter is about the death and resurrection of Lazarus. And you, I hope, are familiar with the story, and I'm not going to exegete that whole passage. That's why I'm not going to go into all of it. But I want to refer to two scriptures out of that, if you'll put it up there for me, please. And then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, somebody say even now, Say it out loud. Even now. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give thee. Even now. I, I'm talking really about some radical faith this morning. Even now kind of faith. Radical faith. Believing that God can do anything but fail. Believing that man's extremities is just God's opportunity. Believing that your current setback is just a setup for the greatest comeback you've ever had in your life. I believe in a God who is able even now 
to do exceedingly and abundantly beyond what I would dare to ask or even think even now. Praise God. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, it is impossible to please God without faith. Literally, it means apart from faith, we cannot please God. So that means we can do all kinds of charitable things and benevolent things and even give our bodies to be burned. But if it is apart from faith, our relationship with Jesus Christ, then it profits absolutely nothing. All of our own righteousness, the Bible says, is like filthy rags. So everything that you are dealing with right now, the issues that you are confronting in your life, has everything to do with your walk of faith with God. Now, before you fall out on the floor and pass out, I did not say that if you're going through trouble... It's a sign you do not have faith. I did not say that. But I am saying it might not be the lack of your faith that got you into it, but it is the strength of your faith that's going to get you out of it. Let me say that again. It's going to be the strength of your faith that is going to get you out of it. Your exit strategy must be born of faith and exercised through faith to take you through this victoriously. Hello. Anybody in a crisis in here? Am I talking to the right crowd? Last night, we had the right crowd for sure on that. Now, you must, let's, let's understand something here. <clears throat> the Bible is filled with quality information and not quantity information. It's, it's quality information as regards to the Lord Jesus Christ. Luke chapter 24 says that if, if it were attempted to write... Everything that Jesus did, the books of the world could not contain it all. So we have a synopsis. We have quality information as regarding Jesus Christ. Or preferential information has been given to us as God deemed critical for us to know. Now the fact that we have so much information about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus is there are some things we need to know. Now, it's interesting, he does not start the story about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus with Lazarus' sickness. Rather, he starts the story in regards to relationship. The three of them had a relationship with Jesus before everything went south. So, point number one, I want to talk to you about relationship. I mention it because I have met far too many people who are trying to exercise in faith who do not have a relationship with God. The only time they come to God is when they are in dire need and perilous circumstances and they look to Him to get them out and they are only there to use God and when the trouble is gone, they are gone too. I am not talking about that kind of faith this morning. Mary... Martha and Lazarus did not come to Jesus thinking that he was going to need them. They did not come to Jesus with their own need. They felt Jesus needed them. 
And they provided a place for him to stay whenever he was in Bethany that he did not have to expend any of his own resources. And it was a place where Jesus could come and he could receive ministry. Wow, how about that? So they were givers and not takers. They did not start the relationship from the perspective What can you do for me? But they began the relationship with Jesus. What can I do for you? Now there's a red flag right here. I want to wave at you. Are you ready? Watch out for people who begin a relationship with you from the perspective of what they can get from you. That's a dangerous indication. Hello? Now the Bible says that the liberal soul... Proverbs 11, shall be made fat. The word fat means to be increased with blessings, made fat with the blessings of God. And the way we grow and increase in the blessings of God is that we have a liberal soul. Now, a liberal soul has nothing to do with being wealthy. It's a mindset that we, that we should have. It's a mentality. If you're stingy broke, you're going to be stingy rich. Okay? Just the way it works. I was thinking about when we were... Uh, uh, in Bible school, <clears throat> and uh, we had two little kids, <clears throat> and I don't know how we fed everybody we fed. I mean, we, we were feeding people all the time. It was, it was the miracle of, uh, of the loaves and fishes all over again, really. <laughs> and then they, then they made us residential uh, advisors uh, in our second year, and we had uh, 80 apartments under us, 80 families under us. I mean, what training for pastoral ministry. And, I, and I'm thinking, you know, honestly, whoo with this many crazies in Bible school, what's it going to be like out there in the real world? Wow. <clears throat> so, so all of this was going, going on. Now, liberality does not begin when there's an increase in your check. Liberality is something you have and you do from the get-go. But when you're a liberal soul, your gift will make room for you. And when God sees you're a liberal soul, He will send help to help you give more. And it can come in some of the most amazing ways. You know, there were times we needed miracles. I mean, in the natural, we could not have fed the people we fed. In the natural, I still can't. It still doesn't add up if I tried to figure it up. <clears throat> Unusual ways. I remember one time T.L. Osborne was uh, school. We were... You know, we were short. He, for some reason, he just walked over and started talking to me. And he, you know, where you're from? I said, well, I'm from up Davenport, Washington, and uh, Pastor uh, Gail and Bobby Ott is our pastors. And well, I said, Pastor Gail Ott, and he stopped. And he said, Gail and Bobby Ott? I said, yeah. He asked about their two children. He said, I, I'd like to come over to your house. I, basically, he said, I will be coming over to your house for dinner. And if T.L. Osborne invites himself over for dinner, guess who's coming for dinner? so we you know prepared it we never left the kitchen table he sat there we sat there for a long time he never talked about all the miracles and various things he'd seen he he you know he he talked his heart for humanity i was so touched with that man's heart for humanity then he laid hands on us and prayed a blessing over us and he left and after he left we picked up the dishes and there was a tidy little sum from t.l osborne (laughs) Under the plate. 
uh, we gave to missions and the rest we used for the home missions thing that we had going on and feeding all those people. A liberal soul shall be made fat and if God sees you're a liberal soul, He will send you help to help you give more. Yes. Come on. Now Mary, MMNL, let's call them MMNL, were givers. They were in Christ's life to give something to Him. You need people, I need people, who are open and giving and who understand relationships. I have an amen on that. Understand relationships. You, you do not start a relationship at the point of need. It affects a relationship when you begin a relationship with your handout. It just does. For uh, five or six years... Uh, I had a television program uh, with TBN in the Seattle area. And we, we weren't a world-shaking ministry thing, but they said we, we had about 300,000 people an hour. That we, had. we had a two-hour live program, and then they ran it a couple of times during the week late at night. So uh, when you have that much exposure, uh, you're going to run into people. And the, most of it was good, but there were a few uh, granola Christians, and by that I mean the flakes, fruits, and nuts that uh, <laughs> do come along. I mean, it does attract some of those. And a couple of times in a mall or whatever, you know, I, I would, had an individual come up to me and they would have this idea for this new mousetrap thing they had, you know. Trying to sell me about this new mousetrap. With your influence around here, we could get this going in the Seattle area and pretty soon we could take this thing all over the world. And, and I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. My problem is not with your mousetrap. My problem is with you. It scares me that you have this hot idea going on and the only person you can pitch it to is with somebody you just met. Where are all the people who know you? Where are all the people who know your character? Where are all the people who know where you came from and where you are going? People invest in things they can trust. God invested in you. He expected to trust you. And as He trusts you with what He's given you, He will give you more. I'm saying something here because there are some people who come to God trying to get God to do something for them. They never speak to God. They don't serve God. They don't worship God. They don't live for God. They don't seek God. But in time of trouble, here they come talking to God, something about help them with something. And if He doesn't do it the way they want to, they have the attitude to get an attitude towards God. Hello. I thank God that I am a worshiper, I am a praiser, I lift up my hands and worship God, and not just when things are going well, but at all times I will bless the Lord and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. How about you? Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Miracles begin with relationship. See, that's why we have the Team 31 Ladies' things, the men's thing, you know, we have, you know, from 100, 150 men come out, you know, for our men's thing. It's relationship. It's, it's divine appointments. So I'm, I'm not up here by myself. In fact, it's, it's so crowded up here, there's barely room for me to be up here. I, 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 Mark Butcher can have seen Mark in years. His mother was a wonderful prophetess. I, I got her on this platform with me. I got my godly grandparents up here. I've got my parents. I've got pastors. I've got prophets. I've got teachers. I got a group of people that are up here with me. I didn't get up here by myself. 
I'm not up here by myself any more than the turtle is on the fence post by himself. I cannot stay here by myself, and where I'm going, I cannot get there by myself. I need relationships. I need divine relationships. And where God is taking you, you will need relationships too. In fact, where God is taking you, you may need the faith of five to get you there. When I say the faith of five, you remember the man with palsy? And the four men carried him uh, to get to where he was going. Listen, we overlook the fact that the man on the bed also had a great deal of faith and strength too. If you're incapacitated in any way, the one thing you do not like is the challenge of crowds. And this man said, I don't care how big the crowd is, I want to be in the presence of God. And there are some people who come out here on our services, you would be amazed at the strength and faith that they are exercising to be here. Hello. And so it took the strength and the faith of five to get him here, and where you're going will take the strength of more than just you yourself. If you're always carrying the four, something's wrong. You need somebody who can carry your secret. You need somebody who can carry your pain. You need somebody who can come up alongside you and help you sometime in your time of need. And if you can't allow that, you have a spirit of pride and you will stumble someplace along the line and you may not reach your destination by yourself. Talk to me now, somebody. That's better preaching than you are shouting right there. Now, they did their relationship with Jesus. They were not trying to use him. They were not trying to manipulate him. They were trying to serve him. They were trying to help him. They were trying to promote what Jesus was doing. And they did not understand that their relationship with him would be a catalyst for a radical, even now, miracle. Now, let's understand something very clearly here, though. Just because you have a deep and an abiding relationship with Jesus Christ does not mean you won't have any trouble. Okay? Many have thought when they give their lives to God that having, having done that, they will never have a problem. Hello, wave at me. Hello. The Bible says the godly shall suffer persecution. Okay? Now, I grew up in a pretty radical faith camp. You know, I was a uh, classical Pentecostal and moved into the charismatic movement and seen, seen a lot and laughed at a lot. But even with all of that heritage, I was never taught that when you give your life to God, you will never have any problems. All your children will get straight A's. You'll never be sick and life will always be just fine. Hello! It ain't gonna happen. There will be tests, there will be trials, there will be tribulations, there will be setbacks because stuff happens. Hello! Stuff happens to good people, stuff happens to bad people, stuff happens to black people, stuff happens to white people, red people, yellow people, brown people. Stuff happens because there's a devil, stuff happens because sometimes we're stupid, and stuff happens sometimes because other people around us are stupid, but stuff happens. Okay? So your faith is not a bridge over troubled waters, but your faith can take you through the very 
fires of hell and your faith can keep your boat afloat in the stormy seas of life. Glory to God. But your faith is not a repellent that will keep trouble always away from you. In fact, when you get lined up with with God's destiny for your life, you can expect trouble. You can expect the devil to throw things down in your path to try to discourage you and keep you from getting to where God's called you to be. You just write that down. That will happen. Now, what do you do when you have a relationship with God and stuff happens? What do you do when trouble comes? Well, I want to go from relationship to rationale. Rationale. Being rational. People do not talk to people of faith about being rational. They don't. People do not talk to people of faith about being rational. Don't pray for God to do things for you that you can do yourself. We can do a lot to help ourselves. You know, early in the uh, the charismatic movement, uh, Jim Spillman, and been uh, pastored some great Baptist churches, and it came into the charismatic renewal, and and you know, guys would be dressed at full gospel businessmen's meetings, you know, and all this stuff we'd we'd go to, and and they'd be dressed, you know, impeccable, and so man, that looks sharp. Yeah, well, the the Holy Ghost, you know, directed me, basically, kind of along that line, you know, and you know that sounded. Jim said, man, that sounded so spiritual. He said, man, you know, that's spiritual. So he said, he went into his walk-in closet and he stood there with a sincere heart. He said, Lord, I'm just going to stand here and wait for you to direct me, uh, to dress me. And he heard the Lord speak to him so clearly and the Holy Ghost said, I am not your mother. Uh, Somebody just got a revelation. God is not your mother. Okay? Rationale demands that God does not do for us what we can do for ourselves. Listen, there are many people who come into the church, they never grow to the place they ought to grow and could grow because they are expecting God to do things for them that they need to be doing themselves. That's a good word right there. And some people think they are waiting on God and the truth is God is waiting on them to do something Because God directs our steps, and you cannot steer a parked car. Rationale demands that God will not do for us what we can do for ourselves. You cannot have radical faith until you have exhausted rational solutions. Too many people of faith are not rational. In fact, they're just delusional. You cannot have radical faith until you have exhausted rational solutions. Now, I realize some people are so rational, they do not leave room for any supernatural movement of God, and they only believe what they can understand, and that's found in the Bible too. It's called Gnosticism. And that's where you believe in your own human intellect. And if, if you don't understand it, then you don't believe it. And basically, you don't believe in God. Really, you believe in you. But what do you do when life hands you a problem that you cannot fix yourself? You have exhausted everything. You've knocked on every door. You've done everything you could do to possibly try to help yourself. And you're still in a crisis. 
See, that's what brings me to church each week because I know that I serve a God, having done all I can do, that my God is able to give me what I can't reach myself. He can move things that I can't move myself. I believe that God can still make a way in the wilderness. I believe that God can still turn water into wine. I believe that God raised Lazarus from the dead. I believe that. I believe that. I've experienced that in my life. I believe that God is able. And no matter what's going on in my life, I believe that even now, even now, 30 years later, 30-some years later, I believe that even now, the words that T.L. Osborne prophesied over me are going to come to pass in their entirety. Even now. God can do things that I simply cannot do. I believe God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that I would dare to even ask or think. Well, they had done all they could do, and Lazarus grew worse. They sent for Jesus, and Jesus didn't come. Lazarus died. You know, sometimes when you're waiting on God, stuff dies. It's true. But what do you do when you've done everything you knew how to do? You sent for God to come. God just doesn't seem to realize how serious your situation really is. And all of a sudden, things have gone from bad to worse. You go from rationale to release. Release. You, I didn't say quit. I said you go into a stage of release. I've done all I knew how to do and that didn't work. I prayed. I even fasted and prayed. You haven't fixed it? Well, here it is, God. Here it is. I release it. I'm through with it. I'm turning it over to you. I remember one time I was saying that to God. I release it. I'm through with it. I give it to you. I heard him say, I was waiting for your call. Release. You see, release is very important to radical faith, even now faith, because as long as you're holding on to the problem, God isn't going to touch it. Hello? As long as you think you can still handle it, you are not eligible for a radical resurrection miracle from God. As long as you think you can handle it. Several, uh, several years ago, uh, uh, we went over to the uh, suburb of uh, Tacoma. And a district superintendent had, uh, had called me, of this denomination we were with, and said, you know, there's a church over here that's, you know, it's, the potential hasn't been realized, and there's, there's actually, you know, there's two or three families over here that kind of held the thing up, and we just think that, you know, you could probably, you know, handle it. So, uh, um, I don't know if I should say the denomination or not. Uh, well, the initials, uh, the, its initials are the Assemblies of God. So, anyway... I, uh, hey, God bless them all. And so we, I went over there, and God gave wisdom, and, 
And we were able to butcher some sacred cows that uh, needed, needed to be butchered. And God began to move and things began to grow. And, and uh, God just dropped in my heart, it's time to build. So, you know, I had just enough money to prime the pump. A few thousand dollars to get, you know, a million dollar deal going. But God said, you know, kind of like a cruise, you know, <laughs> pour the oil. So... I got it going. The contractor, it, oh, it, this is a miracle story with him, but he did not know he was dealing with a faith issue the whole way either, though. And uh, so <clears throat> things build up, and we had a, a, our service, you know, build up to the kickoff service, and, <clears throat> and God gave me this sermon, you know, we'll dig the ditch, and God will fill it. And, <clears throat> and I had this shovel, and I was preaching, and I got there, and I threw that thing <laughs> on the platform, and it must have been God because it caught hold of a piece of carpet, and that carpet flew up in the air, and the whole place just went, Rah! You know, went bananas, and so service was over, and we counted up the money, and we had an offering of seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars came in, and immediately, immediately, I thought this this could be a good sign right here, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and other people thought that's a good sign too, and so next thing you know, we have about one point two million dollars, and with God's blessing, we we. We built an awesome facility over there that was worth far more than that. We had everything all ready to move into it. And the city manager came to me and he said, uh, you won't be able to move into that building because you can't tie into the existing water line. But you have to put in a new line from the upper well to the lower well. They thought we were a cash cow for the city. 12-inch line, just over $100,000. I didn't. You know, you may look in your wallet, you know, see if you got a $5 bill, but you know if you got $100,000 or not. I mean, you know that right away. And it's one thing to run out of money privately, and it's another thing to run out of money in front of the whole city. But I had uh, favor with the city, and uh, they'd called me to come down and speak on some issues the mayor had. And so I went down, the mayor and the city council went to this uh, city manager, and they said, why can't you know, they tie into the existing water line and sign a contract and get it all up, and then you know, they'll promise they'll put it in. And he said, nope, they have to have that in there before anything. Wow, you know, so even the Tacoma paper, that liberal paper, came out and did a beautiful article on us and everything else, and I thought, well, maybe this will get him going, and he just, his feathers got all the rougher, and we had good credit, and we had, uh, we had a good line of cash flow, and I went to the banks, and because other churches had goofed up before I got there, <clears throat> that, that didn't help things that way, and uh, because of the article, I had one of our well-known senators call on the phone, and uh, said, you know, ask about the story if that was true. And he said, do you mind if I call that city manager? And I said, no, you call him. I thought, this will help. And a few hours later, that senator called me back and said, I have, I have never been treated so rudely in all my life. <laughs> well, the Bible says in uh, Psalms 116.10, you know, I believe and I spoke, faith speaks. I believe that. I use that all the time. I knew that I had, I had heard from God. He speaks the end at the beginning, so I knew this wasn't the end. <clears throat> so I would go out there every day, and I would confess the word over that. I'd thank God for that thing going in, <clears throat> you know, day after day after day, seven months. Seven months. Church was growing. We had to meet in a, in a rented facility, but we were going, and... <clears throat> And, you know, most everybody was happy, and, and uh, well, I, there's a couple old biddies that, uh, 
you know, I mean, they weren't happy with anything going on anyway because, you know, they didn't like the growth and everything and, and people were sitting, you know, in their, their pew and, and just had no regards for uh, how long it had taken them to leave their imprints in that pew. And, uh, and so, you know, they didn't ever, you know, it's the kind of people, they never, they, never, they never gave anything, but they thought they ought to know who was giving and how much they were giving. And so they were trying to make me feel like Moses, you know, like uh, water. You know, somebody should have thought about water before we got out here. That's what somebody should have thought about was water. And I'm about to think that myself. You know, <laughs> discouragement. You will have to pass the test of discouragement in your faith walk. You will have to fight that devil. Discouragement. And God isn't into building buildings. We need buildings to do certain things. But He's into building people. So while God was building that building, He was also building me in some areas that I didn't realize I needed to be built until the thing was over. But I'm out there doing my confession. One day, I finally paused long enough for God to get a word in edgeways. And the Holy Spirit says to me so clearly, He says, laugh. And I said, God, I just don't think this is funny. <laughs> I don't think this is funny. And he didn't, not a word. So I went kind of like, ha, ha, ha. But it wasn't quite that uh, frivolous. Oh. <laughs> and I started back, you know, and by the time I got to my office, something began to bubble up in me and I began to get into this Holy Ghost laughter. I'm telling you, I laughed till I hurt and tears were running down my face and I laughed at how impossible it was. I laughed at how stupid it was. I laughed about how diabolical it was. I laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed and every time I would come by or think about that, I would get into that Holy Spirit laughter and just laugh and laugh and laugh at the whole ridiculous situation. So when we had our, our first board meeting, after I, this laughter was on me, I began to tell them, uh, and I started laughing, and they all started laughing. And they laughed, and they laughed, and the one board member couldn't hardly, you know, he was holding his sides. He said, what are we laughing about? And the other one trying to catch his breath, and he said, I don't know what we're laughing about. <laughs> but when we got all done, and I said, well, <laughs> nothing has changed at all in the natural, everybody started laughing again. I thought that was so funny. It's all still up the creek. Ah. You know, well, not, of course, you always have to have one guy in the crowd. I mean, you know, he thought, he just said, I, I, just, I can't see what's so funny about this. <clears throat> a few weeks after that went by, and I felt impressed to go in this, uh, this coffee shop. And that happened a lot. You know, God just impressed me to go in some place. And there would, it seemed like there was always a divine connection with somebody I hadn't seen in a while or this, that, and whatever. And I, so I went in there. There was nobody in there I knew recognized and so I got a cup of coffee and going through the paper and this gentleman comes over and he said aren't you the guy that pastors that uh, church up there yeah I'm the guy I said it looks like it's completely finished I said it's completely finished ready to move in what you know what's the holdup I told him that night I had a phone call from him can you meet me at such and such a restaurant down in Fife yeah I'll be there early in the morning and when I get there he's in there with another guy and I sat down there <coughs> And God had touched him, and he said, this is my accountant, whatever his name was, whatever his title was. He said, we're writing you a check for a hundred and some thousand dollars. He said, you just have to sign this piece of paper that you will not say my name or my company's name that gave you this money. I want it to be totally anonymous. And I said, well, you know, I can live with that kind of an agreement. <laughs> 
Oh, glory to God. I believe in a God who can do abundantly, exceedingly beyond all that I can dare ask or think. And even now, God can do it. Even now, God can do it. It's not too late for God. Oh, come on. <laughs> that was a miracle. Whew. Release. You have to go through something where your faith is tried. The Bible talks about the trying of your faith. Release. See, that's what they did with Lazarus. They said, we can't fix him. We can't heal him. So they released him over into the hands of God by burying him. See, whenever we have a problem that we can't fix, we step over into number four, and that is we roll a stone over it. That, that's how we attempt to manage messes that we can't fix. We roll a stone in front of it. We, we cover it up. Don't, don't look at me like that. Every one of you have covered up some stuff sometime in your life. We cover it up. And we did all we knew how to do. We believed as far as we knew how to believe. And it's still stinking. And when something begins stinking for survival's sake, we have to roll a stone in front of it just so we can go on for survival's sake. I mean, you can't leave Lazarus sitting on the couch. He's stinking. Certain messes, you know, we have. We, we, we tried to fix it. We prayed it still. It's getting stinkier and stinkier. And we can't leave that thing sitting on the couch. So for survival's sake, we roll a stone in front of it. It stinks. I was watching the news just recently about, you know, this gentleman that had done some things he shouldn't do. And really my heart goes out to the guy's wife. And... Uh, <clears throat> You know, so one of these news commentators said, well, he's he just a hypocrite. And I thought, well, so? Everybody is a hypocrite about something. Every one of us in here, we have some kind of a contradiction in our life. There's some kind of a contradiction we would just assume nobody but God knew anything about it. Didn't anything bad, just contradictions. You know, like you're teaching on health and fitness, and every once in a while you slip up and eat an ice cream cone. You know, I mean, uh, like a whole pint of Hagen dazs <clears throat> You know. <laughs> yes. my, my, issue, my issue doesn't come up, you know, until, you know, like late at night, you know. <clears throat> you know, Tom, you know, I talked to Tom this morning, and he, and he jogged his four miles, you know, and, you know, and <clears throat> I'm so proud of that guy. Man, he just makes me mad. He's jogging like that. <clears throat> and... Uh, <clears throat> You know, we got this health thing going on, you know, with the staff and, and everything, you know. And, you know, I can get into that during the day. Holy, I can be holy, holy, holy all day. Lettuce, boiled fish, all that kind of stuff, holy. But long about, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning, you know. There I go half naked through the house thinking, I know there's a cookie up in here someplace. Someplace I saw a cookie, and if I can't find a cookie, then I get into the cheese and crackers eating that all up, you know. And one morning, <laughs> wife got up and she said, honey, I think we got mice. I said, mice? We got mice in this house? She said, yeah, I got up this morning, and there was crumbs all over everything. I said, what crumbs? <laughs> we all have some kind 
Now, when it's a cookie, when it's a cookie, it's funny. But when it's an abused child or a dysfunctional family, that's not funny, that's funky. It's stinky. And you have something really stinky going on in your home. We have a tendency to roll a stone in front of it. They couldn't fix Lazarus, so they rolled a stone in front of him. Stinky stuff. wonder if there's anything in your life that you couldn't fix. And you rolled a stone in front of it. You did all you knew how to do. You even tried to do things you didn't even know how to try to do. Stinky stuff. It's what families do when there's a mess in the house. Roll a stone in front of it. Now Jesus, Jesus was used to getting good treatment when he came to Bethany. You know, I mean that's the place to go to get good treatment. But I found that when God shows up and people think he, he shows up late, he, he doesn't often get real good treatment. I've known of people that were so upset with God, they just quit going to church. They were so upset at God. He, he didn't show up on time. They didn't stick around to see an even now miracle. So he's used to getting good treatment, but this time when he shows up, Lazarus have died. They've had, the, they've had the burial service, the graveside. They've eaten all the fried chicken and everything is done. I mean, it's... It's over, and here comes Jesus into town. Now, when people are, are under crisis and they're under stress, and they've rolled a stone over it, they develop a personality disorder. And that's what Jesus experienced when he came in there. If you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. You know, I'd, I'd rather face an angry man than an angry woman any day. I mean, Jesus was a brave man. You know, I mean, angry guy, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, he may, he may, may send me home with my hiney in my hand, but uh, I'd rather face that than an angry woman. An angry woman will make you drive around your own house another time trying to figure out, make sure I got this story straight. That brings me to the next point. Revelation. You'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But then she got a revelation. But even now, even now, even now, there can be resurrection. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, he stinketh. It's the biggest mess I've ever seen in my life. But even now, God is able. Oh, you know... How many have ever needed an even now miracle? Boy, I've needed a few of them. How many has ever received an even now miracle? I've got them. And the reason we got them then is to believe God for the next one. Even now. You see, I believe that the latter half, as good as the first half has been, I believe the latter half of my life is going to be better than the former. I believe I'm the head and not the tail. I believe the latter rain is going to be greater than the former rain. I believe what the... What the canker worm, the palmer worm, and the locust have eaten from my life, God is going to give back to me. I believe that even now. I believe God. 
I believe God. I believe there are some dead things in people's lives that God's going to raise again. I believe there's stinky stuff that people have in their lives. God can deliver it. I believe there's messes that God can turn that, that scrambled egg into the most wonderful omelet you've ever seen. I believe that God is able. Now, notice the first half of the story. They brought Lazarus as far as rationale could take them. And then they sent for Jesus because they had a modicum of faith. They believed that Jesus could heal Lazarus if he got there on time. If he got there on time. So they had faith. They had faith for healing. But when Lazarus died, they needed radical faith, and they didn't have radical faith. So they buried him. Now notice what Jesus does when he shows up. He says, take me to the place where you buried him. Take me to the place where you buried him. Take me to the place where you quit believing me. Take me to the place where you just quit. Well, we could put it this way. Take me to the place of your limitations. Because where you run out is where God steps in. Take me to the place of limitations. See, we want restoration. But to get restoration, you have to go to the place where you buried it. And then you have to do what he asked next is to roll away the stone. Oh, man, what a mess. Roll away the stone. See, I've dealt with people with all kinds of addictions. And then you find that the addiction really wasn't the issue. The issue was some stinky thing that happened when they were 7 years old or 12 years old. And the addictions is just the stone that they have over that thing that happened to them. And when you roll the stone away and the resurrection power of God comes, the addictions take care of themselves as well. Then deliverance comes and restoration comes. I remember uh, <clears throat> when I was in the third grade, we, uh, we got a TV. And uh, we had one station out of Klamath Falls, Oregon. And, you know, and we'd watch everything on that TV. And <clears throat> but uh, they noticed that while I was watching the TV, I kept scooting up to that TV until... I was like this far away, and they couldn't see anything because my head was right in the middle of it. And they'd grab me, and they'd pull me back, and pretty soon I was scooting back up to that TV, you know, like this. And they realized, you know, maybe the kid needs glasses. So they took me and fitted me with glasses, and sure enough, I needed them very badly. And man, a whole new world opened up for me. And then I wished they'd have got that TV when I was in the first year of third grade instead of the second year of third grade. Because I realized that there was more on that blackboard than just a green color. They were really, they were writing stuff. And when you're blind and you don't know, you're trying to do everything by, by hearing. And uh, so I redid the, the third grade. And a spirit of failure entered my life. And there were many things that, uh, I did really well in school, but there were a lot of things I knew how to skate around to because I was afraid I might fail you know I mean I graduated in the top 90% of my class I'm sure some of you others did as well top 90% did that go over your head <laughs> but there were things that I would skate around and I made decisions 
in life out of that fear. So when I go to Bible school, because uh, um, I was on the GI, GI Bill, there were certain classes, one of them the Greek class, you know, I had to take. And so in my first semester, you know, I opened up the book. I went, I hadn't taken the class yet. I looked it over, and I thought, whew, that, that's Greek all right. <laughs> That'd be Greek right there. <laughs> and uh, and uh, God began to deal with me. You know, and my, I'm just like you. When God, you know, talks about the stinky stuff in, the, in, you know, behind the stone, you know, the first response is to jump in front of the stone and say, what stone? <clears throat> so it took a few days. It was a few days' journey to go there. And all the way down, I'm like, you know, Mary and Martha, well, you know, Lord, this thing really stinks. I mean, this thing really stinks. It's been buried a long time, and by now it really stinks, so we might as well just leave it buried because it's been buried a long time, and it really stinks, and I'm getting along pretty well, and, you know, yada, 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 and tell God all the reasons why he cannot do what he's going to do if you'll let him do it. If you'll let him do it. Restoration. See, can you dare to believe God again where it, where it really hurt the last time? Have you ever believed God for something? Didn't happen the way you hoped it to. God didn't show up when you thought he ought to. You had to bury the thing. You have some pain out of that issue that you had. And God comes back to you and said, oh, you, will you dare to believe me where it really hurt bad the last time? Because obviously it wasn't God. It was something we missed. And we dare to believe God again. Will we roll the stone back? And allow God to call that thing forth and believe God that even now it can be resurrected. Can we do that? And that's the question. We all want restoration. But restoration involves faith on our part to trust God to roll that stone back and allow Him to call that thing forth and see it come forth in the miracle power of God. I believe even now, even now, God is able. I believe that with all my heart. I believe that with all my heart. There are things that I even buried years ago with walking with God, and years later he'd come and knock on that door. And he brought it back to life. Even now. Let's bow our heads this morning. I don't know what your situation is, if you even have an issue going on. Maybe the stone is that you've never really opened your heart to Jesus Christ. You've never really, really gotten real and really letting Jesus Christ possess your heart. I don't know. Maybe that's you. Or maybe there's something that God spoke to you about in some way that you realize, you know, I believe I can respond to God again. If either one of those is you, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you this morning. We're, just, we're going to go a completely different direction. But I just want you to take a moment, just raise your hand before God. Yes, Lord. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am.